Welcome to the City Beautiful Church podcast. Thank you for taking the time to join our family as we strive to live together in heavenly reality. For more great content, visit us online at citybeautiful.ch. Good to see you all. So we're continuing this little journey um, that these, these rhythms that we've crafted at the beginning of each year, uh, which I find so helpful because, like I said last week, there's so often this pressure to get the, the year started on the right foot and make all the reser- re, you know, um, reservations. You probably need to make some reservations. Resolutions, um, you know, really try to hashtag crush it at the beginning of the year, get that momentum. And I think it's a, a beautiful spiritual practice for us to actually slow down and take our time through the man- month of January to make sure really that we don't run ahead of the Lord. I think that's often what happens to us is um, we have these dreams and visions and ideas for our life, what we would like to see, what we would like to accomplish. And in and of themselves, there's nothing wrong with that. But it's when we kind of run ahead of the spirit um, that we often find ourselves in places that we never meant uh, to end up. So last week, we talked about our yearly vision. Um, God is our safe refuge. So our leaders gathered in October um, we, we, we worshiped together, we prayed, we sought the Lord's face, everybody took time to go away and, and pray and reflect, and as they came together, there seemed to be this common thread about safety and foundation. I love the, even the songs that Patrick uh, chose today really speak to that, like what happens when we really uh, almost test the merit of this idea that God is our safe refuge. And last week, as we were looking through Psalm 46, um, we saw this radical juxtaposition between like God is our refuge and our strength, even though you know the earth may melt and fall into the sea and all of this calamity that you know we're not promised a safe life. Um, and sometimes I think within the Christian household, we kind of conflate these things that for God to be our safe refuge means nothing bad is ever going to happen to us. Um, nothing will ever be able to touch us. Everything will be sunshine and buttercups for our whole life because we have Jesus. And that's not true. Um, that's not what we find in scripture and it's not our experience. But what happens when we grow up with that kind of theology then is a lot of times when hardships do come, whether they're internal things, they're external things, um, we begin to question, is God really as good as I've been told? Um, And too often we kind of cut and run to say, oh, well, this whole thing about God being a safe refuge, that must not be true. Let me go and find somewhere that is. Um, But my experience, I think a lot of you, Uh, would have the same is is when you've chosen to take that by faith to say, I don't feel that reality yet, but I'm going to trust the Lord to lead me through hardship and suffering and pain. When I come out the other side, I recognize it was true, but maybe in a way that I never discovered possible. And that's really what a lot of this year is going to be about, exploring honestly and maturely what does it mean for God to be our safe refuge. And what we talked about last week, that what we believe about God, um, but specifically how we attach to God, shapes our understanding of everything around us and within us. I was telling a friend the other day um, that I hadn't seen in some time. We were just kind of catching up when we were talking about, you know, where we're at with the Lord in our, in our old age, you know, um, with years and years of experience and wisdom. And this gray patch continues to get wider and wider and wider. So I'm going to start coloring it maybe. You'll, you'll come in someday and it'll be like a gorgeous red-brown again. Um, 
But we, you know, when we talk about like hearing from the Lord, and that's what today is really about, um, there could be so much pressure attached to that, depending on how we grew up, uh, certain Christian traditions that maybe like emphasized it in this really, like there was so much pressure to hear the voice of God. Or how many of you, maybe you grew up in a church where like the preacher would be talking and then he'd go, what? Yes, Lord. You know, like, cause, because God was like in the upper right corner of the room, you know? And then they'd turn back to, you know, like that kind of like theatricality or speak, you know, hearing the voice of God was like relegated to the professional Christians and the rest of you plebeians don't really get access to it, you know? Um, or maybe you grew up in a church where um, that's the complete opposite. Like God gave the Holy Spirit to the first church, you know, to Peter and James and John uh, and those guys to kind of kickstart the thing but there is no presence of the Holy Spirit now. God doesn't speak today. Um, anybody who thinks otherwise is just crazy. You know, we tend to find ourselves in one of those two extremes. Um, but to kind of reclaim, I think what is actually foundational to the Christian faith is that we, we follow a, a, a living, breathing God who speaks today. Um, and the primary task of the Christian life is to learn how to listen to the voice of God. Um, that our faith is not built upon our understanding of scripture, although that is beautiful and helpful. It's not built upon our service to the world, although that is beautiful and helpful. It's not based upon even our virtue or character, although those things are beautiful byproducts. Like our faith is founded on this idea that we have a, an attachment to the living God today. So I was telling this friend as we're talking about God speaking and everything, he said, you know what? I'm at a point now where I feel like if God only gave me one word a year, I'd be okay with that. Just the fact that God would speak once and I hear a single word and that could guide my whole year. Now, I, I, I think God speaks more than that to me and I think he speaks more than that to you. But I hope that that kind of takes off some of the pressure. It's like if, if, if we just listened once and God spoke one word, it would, be the, it would be enough because it comes from the source of all life. And so that's really where we're going to be going today as we're moving from this yearly vision um, to seeking out personal vision for each of us, like a word or a phrase that would guide our year of intimacy with God. So I'm going to pray and um, we're going to dive in with our scripture today in John chapter 14. Um, so Heavenly Father, we, we testify the truth that you are here. Um, where we gather, you are among us. And you are within us. That your breath gives us life. That your spirit animates us. Your spirit opens up our eyes to see the world in new ways. Your spirit opens our ears to hear you speak. And your spirit opens our heart to receive truth that we would not all otherwise uh, be privy to. So, Lord, even as I know you've been preparing our hearts and minds for today uh, to engage with you, to, to trust that we're capable of listening to your voice, I pray that you would continue to do so. Um, I pray that that invitation to learn to listen to you would be more powerful than anything within us that tells us that we're exempt from that, that we're not smart enough or good enough or talented enough, or Christian enough to be able to hear your voice. You give gifts freely. 
You don't parse out your love, but you lavish us with it. And it becomes our task to learn how to receive from you a gift that we do not have to earn because you look upon each of us and delight in us as your sons and your daughters. So may the words of my lips and the meditation of all of our hearts be ever pleasing in your sight. O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So we're going to be reading uh, from John 14 and John 16. If you love me, this is Jesus speaking, if you love me, keep my commands. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. On that day, you will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. Then Judas, not Judas Iscariot. Now, I hope that like all of us would want an asterisk like that next to our life if we have a name that's uncomfortably aligned with somebody else who's like awful. You're like, no, 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 not, not the one you're thinking of, right? So Judas, not Judas Iscariot, said, but Lord, why do you intend to show yourself to us and not to the world? And I love this. I love this response from Jesus. Jesus replied, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. The Father will love them and we will come to them and make our home with them. Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. All this I have spoken while still with you. But the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. And then in chapter 16, I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you in all the truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will receive from me what he will make known to you. So we have been gifted the Holy Spirit to keep us connected to God and to give us direction. This whole year we're talking about not just our understanding of God, but our attachment to God. We recognize that the Holy Spirit that God gives us kind of acts as that binding agent that keeps us in living relationship with God so that God doesn't kind of drift into being some sort of abstract concept um, that's, that's distant and disinterested, um, that 
God is not simply just the God of the past or whatever it might be, that, but it's the spirit of God that is gifted to each one of us. And I love that Jesus says, like, I don't give the way the world gives. You know, in the world, like, when we receive, it's because we've earned it, because we passed the test, or we, we were strong enough, or we were cool enough, or smart enough, we got the awards, thank you very much, I'd like to thank the Academy, you know, like, that's how the world works. And Jesus says, I don't give the way the world gives. Like, I give to you because I love you. And even that, to me, is such a radical gift. Just to slow down and go, you know, we're, we're so, even within the Christian household, we're obsessed with who's worthy and who's not worthy, right? Um, there are some expressions of Christianity that feel like they're rather entitled, um, where we take this idea of being the children of God and that, like, makes us better than everybody else. Um, but some of us also grew up in Christian traditions where you're, it's, I need to convince you of how unworthy you are in order to merit the gift that you received. Anybody grew up like that? Like, you are awful, you're a piece of garbage, like, nobody could possibly love you, you're just so ugly and stupid, and fortunately, God tolerated you so much, you know, like, we, that mentality, and I, the more that I meditate on this, the way that Jesus speaks about the Spirit, I'm like, wow, like, for God, whether you are worthy or unworthy doesn't even factor into the equation. Hey, he doesn't, he's not concerned with whether you are worthy. He's not parsing out his love or his words to say, well, I like this person, but I don't really like them. It's like he goes, I love you because I love you because I love you. And I'm going to shower you with gifts. And then what becomes difficult for us is how do we receive something that was truly unmerited? Because we are the ones that believe that we're unworthy. Um, how do we open ourselves to receive this radical love of God through the Holy Spirit? It challenges a lot of how we see ourselves. And that's where a lot of the healing comes from is when God lavishes love on us. It's, we start to question, um, are we the kind of people that are capable of receiving such a thing? Um, and it, it really, in, a best, in the best way possible, even though it can be painful, it challenges our own self-worth because, again, we project onto God whatever we are perceiving about ourselves within ourselves. Um, and it starts to break off some of that stuff that we've learned from the world around us about who's worthy, who's not, who's in, who's out, what it means uh, to be in relationship with God. And I love this passage here. The way that John crafts is because we have this beautiful Trinitarian exchange that the way Jesus speaks, there's this constant flow where he says, these words aren't mine, they're the Father's, and when I'm with you, the Father will be within you, and I will be with you, and we'll send the Spirit, and the Spirit will be with you, and you will be with us. And it's, again, the, the Trinitarian doctrine, it's not like anybody in the Bible just sat down and said, by the way, God is a Trinitarian God, three persons, consubstantial, you know, one substance, eternally like this, but no, you know, it's like that happened later, and I love it, we needed that stuff, but the way that it's written in scripture, there's just like this dynamic dance between Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and that we're welcomed into participation in this Trinitarian God, and that's the way that Jesus speaks about um, his relationship to the Father and to the Spirit and to us the lines begin to blur and we begin to participate in this divine dance. And so, who is the Holy Spirit as Jesus speaks of here? Um, in older translations, it'll speak of the Spirit as the counselor. Um, or in newer translations like this version of the NIV, it's the advocate. Um, and I love both of those. There's kind of sort of a legal 
um, analogy here where like an adv you know, the advocate, like your, your counsel, like your, your defending attorney as opposed to the prosecuting attorney. So it's the person who's on your side who's making your case uh, before the court. That's kind of what it means to be the advocate. Um, but I also like that idea of, of the Holy Spirit as a counselor who is helping us to dig deep beneath the surface of our lives in order um, to really do the work of attaching us to God. Jesus also speaks of the Holy Spirit as the teacher, the spirit of Jesus given to us to show us what is actually true. Because everything on the surface of our lives is trying to convince us this is, this is what's true. This is what's true about you. This is what's true about the world. This is true, what's true about how power works or whatever, you know, whatever it might be. It's, it's the spirit of Jesus, the Holy Spirit, that digs deep beneath all of the surface noise to say, no, these are the things that are actually true about God, about the world, and about us. He speaks of the Holy Spirit as the reminder and I really love this one, um, that the Spirit makes the words of Jesus come alive in our hearts today. So whenever you read scripture and you read a little line from Jesus and you feel that, like, <gasps> that revelation, that's the Holy Spirit reminding you, like make, making the word, you know, we pray in some traditions that the word might be a living word. And it's the Holy Spirit that does that, that makes the words kind of leap off the page and sink deep into our hearts. Um, he speaks of, Jesus speaks of peace, my peace I give to you and I don't give like the world. And we often um, see the analogy of the Holy Spirit as a dove or that symbol of peace. Um, and we speak often in our community about the difference between what I think is kind of a false or counterfeit peace, which is the avoidance of conflict, hardship, suffering, difficulty. So a lot of us are chasing peace, or we're saying like we're trying to protect our peace. What we really mean is I'm just avoiding hard things, and I'm avoiding hard feelings, and that's not really has much of anything to do with real peace. True peace, um, the word in Hebrew shalom means togetherness. It's a relational word. It means uh, like to abide in one another's presence. And those of you who are in relationships, you know that actual shalom peace comes with a lot of conflict and a lot of working through hard things and having hard conversations in a pursuit of deeper togetherness. So when Jesus is saying, I give you my peace, he's saying, I'm giving you this Holy Spirit as this binding agent that, that holds us together so we can do the work of learning how to live out this togetherness that we've been gifted. But all of this is relational. That's what I love about this passage. It's not just giving us a list of doctrines about what we're supposed to believe about the Holy Spirit. It's giving us inspiration, right? The word to inspire, to put the Spirit into. It's giving us inspiration to live into a relationship with a Trinitarian God. To say this is what our faith is actually about. It's about our attachment to God and God's attachment to us. And so how do we learn to listen to the Holy Spirit within us? We take by faith that God desires to speak to each one of us and that we are capable of learning to listen. I think it's very hard for us 
um, to accept this reality that we have been gifted the Holy Spirit. Um, you know, some, some people have grown up in traditions where it's like you're baptized in water and then there's X amount of days and then you're baptized in the Holy Spirit as evidenced by speaking in tongues. I don't think that's necessarily a one-size-fits-all thing for people. Um, I love the gift of tongues. I celebrate it. Absolutely. I love the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I think that's there, but when we start to make these things into formulas, it's like bleep, bloop, do the thing, get the water baptism, boop, 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 30 to 40 days later, get the baptism of the Holy Spirit, stand up and say, should have bought a Honda over and over and over again until it happens. You know what I mean? Like some, you know, now some of you know what I'm talking about. You've been in these situations. Um, that's how it works. You know, we, we formulize, again, we formulize relationship. We're like, you're running a playbook on the Holy Spirit. I don't think that's how it works. But I think one of the difficult things is what Paul promises us in Ephesians is you were given the gift of the Holy Spirit at your baptism. So that was a moment in the same way we see Jesus baptized, the Holy Spirit descends like a dove upon him. That happens to you and I in our baptism. So when we're baptized, we receive the gift of the Holy Spirit um, within us. And so it becomes less about us needing to ask for the gift of the Holy Spirit afterwards, and if we perform well, maybe God will give it to us, but saying, I already have this gift and I'm learning how to lean in um, and, and listen to the Spirit. And I think that's hard, because I don't think the problem is that God doesn't speak, I think the problem is that you and I don't believe we're capable of listening, or that we're worthy of listening, probably more accurately. And again, that's what I'm saying, is like the thing that we have to work through is to believe God desires to speak to me and I have been so crafted that I'm actually capable of hearing the voice of God. I don't need <clears throat> somebody else to listen to God on my, my behalf, um, but that I, over time, can develop those skills necessary. And so what we need to do, first off, is to kind of quiet the noise of our surface lives the noise that compromises the peace. I was going to use this example up here, um, but unfortunately, I think a lot of you probably won't understand it. There was this thing called a radio when I was a kid, a little guy like this, and you would tune the radio, right? <clears throat> and there's a lot of noise on the radio. There's just a lot of white noise, and you're kind of maneuvering through the white noise, and you would gradually tune in, and eventually, you'd get into a station, and you'd be able to hear a song. And I think that's what it's like with, when God, like God is always speaking, but we're always kind of tuning, and we're trying to work around all of this noise until we eventually are able to, to, to tune in. So it requires effort on our lives um, to quiet the noise of the surface, all this stuff around us that's telling us who we're supposed to be, what God is supposed to be like, how the world is supposed to work, and these things that actually compromise peace that we're called to, um, to not settle for the, that false peace that comes from <coughs> avoidance or numbing or hiding from God, whatever it might be. So we have to learn the discipline of quieting our hearts and minds first to even create a space for God to speak. I think this is actually the biggest inhibitor. It's not that we can't hear God, it's just that we're so noisy um, that the God's voice is lost in the mix. And then as we quiet ourselves, when we still ourselves, we have to enter into kind of a space of almost a, an openness or defenselessness, that we don't speak on behalf of God what we think God is going to say to us, um, but really truly to be open and to allow God to speak. And, and 
some observations as we've been doing this discipline over the past several years um, that I found helpful is, uh, number one, to recognize almost always when God speaks, it's rarely a conclusion. Um, it's more an invitation. So we receive a word or a phrase or an image, and we're meant to sit there with it and go, huh. You know, it's like, I'm, it's like with the Israel in the desert when God gives them manna, and they, the word manna means, what is it? You know, when God gives us gifts, we go, what is this? Right? And then it takes the process of experience and discovery to go, oh, this is what this truly means. Now, a lot of you who have been doing this practice for years with us, you're probably thinking back on some of the words that you've received from the Lord over the years. And God spoke and you went, I have some ideas of what this might be. Um, But as you continue to press in and open yourself up through that word to the Lord, you came to conclusions that you never would have come to, right? How many, am I alone in that, right? Like you go, oh, like my word this last year was integrity. And um, what I thought initially is like, oh, I'm going to do a deep dive on what integrity means. I'm going to read all the books about integrity and I'm going to keep a journal and da 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 And what I realized very quickly was like, oh, I'm turning this into a philosophical exercise. Like I know what integrity is. You know what I mean? Like I don't need a book to tell me. And what I found was there was these moments, uh, even just a little moment of crisis or decision where the Holy Spirit would say to me, Ryan, are you going to choose integrity right now or are you going to choose, you know, not integrity, unintegrity or disintegrity? Because it's related to the word integration, right? Are you going to choose integration or disintegration? Are you going to choose to be deceitful or avoidant or are you going to choose to do what you know is the right thing? And so for me, the big shock of 2023 was going, it's not that I have to understand integrity on an intellectual, philosophical level. I need to choose to be an integrated person in those moments when it requires me, uh, where my yes is yes, um, where I need to choose to be honest, or where I need to choose to say the hard thing, even though I don't want to, and I want to choose that false sense of peace. Um, so for a lot of us, when God speaks, if there's not a sense of clarity, that's okay. Like, that's not how this works. Because I think what often happens if we perceive that we've got some sort of conclusion from God, we go, right, thanks, okay, see you next January. And we just like run ahead with it and start creating all the plans. Um, and God wants to walk through 2024 with you, like teaching you what this thing might mean. And then finally, um, we test the word uh, that God speaks to us with like the most obvious question that's ever been written in the history of obvious questions. Uh, does that sound like God? Okay. Um, does this word that I perceive from the Lord sound like how God speaks? Now, that's not always the case. As many of you know, in January 2020, I came in this room and the word I perceived from the Lord was apocalypse. And I was like, that's cute. I wonder what that will mean. And then, you know, everything in 2020 happened starting in March. Um, but as I reflected back, I was like, oh, yes, this is very much how God works, that the word apocalypse means revelation or that which has been hidden is now revealed. And through the pandemic, through the tumultuous political season that we were in in 2020, there were so many things that we took for granted that were hidden that were re- revealed for what they truly are. So many things within myself, like idols that I was holding on to or patterns in my life that I was just kind of maintaining a sense of status quo that started to be apocalypsed. 
But ultimately, I could still point to it and go, this does sound like the kind of thing that God would say. Um, one of the biggest, the most helpful guidelines in this is there's a difference between the spirit of the Satan and the spirit of Jesus. And the spirit of Satan is the spirit of accusation. So if you receive a word or you hear something, a phrase, word, phrase, you see an image, and it becomes accusatory, um, that's not the spirit of Jesus. Okay? Um, the spirit of Jesus that we just saw is the spirit of advocacy. Now, sometimes advocacy might mean that God's going to light a little fire under your butt to get you moving. You know what I mean? Like, it's not always painless. Um, God does not come to just massage our egos, but to actually help us in transformation. And the spirit acts as that refining fire to burn out of us um, the things that obscure uh, the fact that we are the image of God incarnate. And so testing a word and saying, does this align with what I know of the heart of God through the scriptural accounts, through the tradition of the faith, um, through my community? That's a wonderful way is to bring what you perceive as a word to the people who love you and to say, this is what I think God is saying to me. Can you verify that? Can you speak to me about how that hits you? And we do it in a communal way. That's a constant theme in the New Testament. It's like, you know, there's even weird little lines about like when you feel like you get a prophetic word to stand up and share and other people who know the voice of God get to like discern is that of the Lord or not. Like we don't, there, there is no place in the church for these like rogue uh, prophets to just wander and like just cast these little Holy Spirit bombs into a community and they move on. Like in the early years of this church, some of you remember, we, that happened a lot. People would snatch microphones and come up and just say crazy things and like walk away. <laughs> I had a lady one time, she came up to me, this is back when we were at Saxe's, like almost 10 years ago. She comes up and she says, uh, I fell asleep as soon as you started preaching. And I was like, awesome, thank you for that. <laughs> that really does wonders for my ego. She said, but as I was asleep, the Lord gave me a dream and he informed me uh, that this church has a spirit of uh, perversion over it. So just do with that as you will. And then she walked away and I was like, what? What does that mean? Um, later on I discerned that it means that she noticed there was gay people in our church. That's really what she probably meant by that. It's not helpful. It feels accusatory. God is not a God of chaos. Like God is a God of order. He works us through things even if words can be difficult. But we test the words that we perceive. We share it in community. And we see, oh, where, where could this take me? And that's where it begins to kind of ignite our divine imagination. And finally, the most important question that we can ask at any moment. Really two questions. Lord, what are you saying right now? And what are you doing? And this is really, really hard for us because when we experience hard things, when there's a moment of disappointment or crisis or indecision, we kind of collapse into ourselves and we just start rummaging around in kind of the, the junk drawer of our souls. Like, I need something. I need an answer. Like, I need it. You know, we're, all these little coping mechanisms we have that, that hold at bay pain and suffering and difficulty or that, that go-getter attitude that we've developed as a way to defend ourselves against the scariness of the world, to slow down and go, okay, here's everything that I'm feeling, and here's all, all the thoughts that are racing through my head. But I'm going to put that down for a second and to say, Lord, 
what are, what are you saying in this moment to me? Or, or what, are you, what are you doing? Help me to see what you're doing right now. And that so often helps us to reorient, to move away from our ego fixations, um, our defense mechanisms, the lies that are layered in our minds that tell us false narratives about who we are, to reattach to God through the Holy Spirit and to choose a different path. And that's ultimately, that's the practice. That's what we're learning how to do is to slow down to ask those questions. What are you saying right now and what are you doing? So, we're going to practice this together. When you came in, you were given a clipboard and there's three questions on it. And I'm going to, um, we're going to pray and I'm going to lead you through each of those questions because I want you to have enough time to really sit with each one of them rather than rushing ahead uh, because some questions like, our responses will just spill out of us, and sometimes it really takes some time. But I'm going to, we're going to kind of take an extended meditation here where I will lead you from one question to the next. And I'm going to give you about four or five minutes um, to go through this um, and really take the time to learn to listen. So before, uh, before we get to the questions, I want you to even just put that, put your clipboard aside for a second. And um, we're going to get in a pos position, a posture of listening. Um, I believe that a lot of times our hearts and minds follow our bodies. So if our bodies, like if we're feeling tension in our bodies or we're clenched up or we're crossed over, like that actually, um, that, that creates an expectation for our minds and hearts that we're also like emotionally or spiritually closed up. So I want you just to kind of shake out your body for a second and just open yourself up, sit up straight in your chair, um, you know, uncross your arms and your legs. And I want you to close your eyes. And I just want you to notice if there's like anywhere, like just do a little inventory, like work from your feet up. And is there anywhere where you're holding a lot of tension? Like are your, your shoulders like scrunched up or you know, the muscles in your, in your face, around your eyes, are you like squinched? And just to like loosen up and then become aware of your breathing. The most helpful way to do this is to breathe in through your nose on a three count, to gently hold that, and then to breathe out through your mouth on a three count. So just to do that a couple times to kind of regulate your breathing, become aware that you're in this place, in this moment. Just slow yourself down. I'll lead us in this short meditation and then I'll ask you the first question. You're just gonna sit and just pay attention, see what the Spirit is showing you. Be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am. Be still and know Be still. Be. 
Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. The first question I want you to take an inventory of the surface of your life, the false things. What noise has been happening in my life, both within me, any inner turmoil you're experiencing, but also around me, what captures my attention in the world out there. And I want you to start taking an inventory of what's the noise that's really affecting you. And then to perceive what questions of the heart am I asking? Why is that noise affecting me so much? Do I feel unsafe? Do I feel unlovable? Do I feel powerless? Like, what are the questions of the heart that I'm asking in that noise? Just remember, whenever you feel yourself drifting, just release and just kind of come back into the central space with God. Don't feel the need to rush. Don't feel the need to push. Just slow down, just be present. Be willing to be surprised and delighted. So that now that we've started to kind of clear some space and name the noise as noise, we're creating a space now that we can invite the Holy Spirit to step in and to speak. So the second question, what is the Spirit advocating teaching and reminding me right now as I quiet myself to listen. As you think over maybe the past few weeks, what have you sensed from the Spirit of Jesus and either advocating for you and teaching you something about life or even reminding you of uh, through the words of Jesus? Uh, just take some time to, to kind of take a little inventory of what God has been speaking to you recently. Again, just remember, remind yourself to slow down. There is no other moment other than this moment. It's just you and the Spirit of Jesus. And then third and finally, what is a word or phrase that will guide me into truth in 2024? We've peeled back the layers of noise. We've discerned what is it that God has been doing beneath the surface of my life in this present moment. And now we're asking for the future. And one thing that I've observed a lot of times, often it's the first thing that we hear and then we immediately start to doubt the thing we're hearing. And go, oh, that couldn't be it. It's got to be something else. Because our emotions and our measurements for what it sounds like is flood in, just to kind of trust or at least be curious perhaps that the first thing you hear may be what Jesus is actually speaking over you. Come Holy Spirit. I also want you to know that it's okay if it doesn't all click or come together in a mere 10 or 15 minutes. Sometimes we receive just enough that over the next week, you, you need to create some space to sit with it, to continue to pray. That's absolutely okay. Maybe you need to bring it to somebody that you love and trust and say, here's where I'm at. Can you help me to move to the next stage? 
Um, I don't know that there's a one-size-fits-all process for learning to listen to the Holy Spirit. I just know um, that all of us are capable of it at the end of the day. And so we're going to transition into a time of prayer and worship. And in a moment, I'll give you instructions uh, to go and, and create kind of a little keychain that'll be sort of a, a memento um, that you can carry with you throughout the year. Um, we're going to worship. Perhaps you want to tap the person next to you on the shoulder and say, hey, will you, will you pray for me in this moment? Will you kind of help me to kind of clear the space so that God can speak, you know? We're all capable of laying hands and praying on, uh, praying on each other. Don't, please, don't do that. Uh, praying for each other um, in this moment. But I want to invite you all to stand. Um, and we're going we're gonna to pray this liturgical prayer. We're going to sing. You can pray with each other. You can continue to sit and listen. Or you can head over in this direction uh, to, work, to build your keychains. There's very small piece of paper over there and there's some markers you can write your word on both sides and then there's a keychain that kind of comes in two parts there's the frame bit and then there's kind of a little piece that fits inside of it so you fill out your paper put it in there and then push this in once it's in it's not coming out so I just make sure that you, you do it up as you see fit so let's pray together My soul waits for the Lord. Out of the depths I have cried to you. With my whole heart I want to praise you. If you, Lord, should mark iniquities, I will wait for the Lord. My soul waits, and in his word do I hope. Lord, you have always given bread for the coming day. Lord, you have always given strength for the coming day. Lord, you have always given peace for the coming day. Lord, you have always kept me safe in trials. Lord, you have always marked the road for the coming day. Lord, you have always lightened this darkness of mine. Lord, you have always spoken when time was ripe. Heavenly Father, in you we live and move and have our being. We humbly pray you so to guide and govern us by your Holy Spirit, that in all the cares and occupations of our life, we may not forget you, but may remember that we are ever walking in your sight. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. So let's worship. Let's pray together. For those of you that perceive your word, you can move over here to your right and begin putting that keychain together. When he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth not speak in his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he makes known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. 
That is why I said the Spirit will receive from me what he will make known to you. So I'm curious just to kind of get a lay of the land, the, the rich diversity of what happens when God speaks. Does anybody want to just shout out their word? Nobody. God didn't. Boldness. Discovery. Listen. Still. Refuge. Release. Enough. Pure. Courage. Good. You know, again, it takes a lot for us to believe that we can hear from the Lord. And, and maybe it's, you know, it's just important that we recognize our emotional response. And we, maybe we hear something and we're like, oh, that doesn't seem interesting. Or it's not as cool as the person next to me or whatever. But what I found over time is like when the Lord speaks to me, the power of it is because how specific it is to my life, not what it, how grandiose it is or what it would mean on a large scale or what it would mean for the person next to me, but to treasure what the, the Lord speaks and say, this is, this is for me. And if I allow it to be about me and Jesus, um, good things will come of it. So if you didn't uh, come to your word yet, that's okay. We'll have this set up next week as well. So you can take time during the week to continue to pray through that, to, to sift through the noise and the surfacey stuff to get to that quiet place where you can hear that still small voice of God. Um, a lot of times when I do spiritual direction for people, we're continually coming back to that word over the year and, and just sitting with it and seeing what else God might speak. And so if you're interested in kind of getting together with me on a monthly basis for spiritual direction, email me, ryan at citybeautiful.ch, or you can hit me up on Slack, and we'll set that up. Some of you have already reached out, and I'm really grateful for that. Um, the last thing before we go, um, a couple weeks ago, we talked about our 2024 budget, some of the plans that we have for this year. We're continuing the process of looking uh, to hire somebody new for our kids and family ministry to expand that role. Um, we've had some really great applicants. We feel like we're getting really close. Um, so our goal is that we, we have to increase our budget by $1,000 a month, um, which seems like a really big number. And then you break it down and say, oh, if 20 of you committed to increasing giving or beginning to give at $50 a month, boom, done, easy. Um, because we believe it's the work of the many, not the few, that really testify to the health of a community. Um, that we move just from merely being consumers of information to actual participants in the body of Christ. And so I want to challenge each of you to think about what this community means to you, what it is that we're creating together, and to believe that through our presence, through our gifts, through our resources, we're crafting a space for people to get to hear uh, from the Spirit of Jesus. Um, so if you go to the weekly, there's a little form you can sign out to let us know, yes, I want to be one of those 20 people who's willing to increase their giving. We're going to keep that private. We're not going to blast it out and say, oh, look at all these, you know, we're not going to do any of that. It's just for us to know that we're on track. Um, and I really believe that that's going to help us um, just to be more confident in the future and who God's calling us to be and what he's calling us to do. Um, so I encourage you to look at that next this week. And then next week at Praxis, we're going to be talking about how we take that next step in um, to, to commit, to serve one another, love each other, to open our homes to one another, and to be the family of God um, that we're called to be. So with that being said, I invite you to uh, extend your hands in a posture of receiving.
as they pray this ancient benediction over us. May the peace of the Lord Christ go with you wherever he may send you. May he guide you through the wilderness. May he protect you through the storm. May he bring you home rejoicing at the wonders he has shown you. May he bring you home once again through our doors. Amen. See you all next week. This has been the City Beautiful Church podcast. To stay connected, follow us on social everywhere at City Beautiful CH. We hope you join us again soon.